Welcome back to the Dirt Talk Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Aaron Witt. This is episode 73 with Ben Warren of Warren Land Solutions. Ben came down to my house in Nashville, Tennessee to talk about land clearing, his small business, and all sorts of cool stuff. Yeah. So Ben's a great guy. He's in his 20s, started this company when he was in college, didn't finish school because the business started growing. He's doing some awesome work, uh, has found a found a niche and is, is cruising along with it. So great conversation. Hopefully you enjoy it as much as I did. And let's get right into it. Once I started figuring out how to back off a little bit and let other people figure shit out for themselves, everything got a little easier. Mm-hmm. So like now, I mean, I went to coal mines a week ago. Phone's not ringing, nothing. It's just like people know I'm out there. I'm mm-hmm. unavailable. Figure your own shit out. Um, I dealt for a while where part of the reason why I wanted to be a business owner is I wanted to control my world. Yeah. Um, but it's the exact opposite. And I had to get used to that. Well, you have... So you do you do have a, a degree of control you wouldn't have otherwise. Like, if I want to go to the grocery store on a Tuesday morning, like 10 a.m., I can go to the grocery store at 10 a.m. Mm-hmm. I don't need to go talk to my boss. Like, hey, boss, I need to go to the grocery store. Like, mm-hmm. and this is a shitty example. But I have control over that. Or... I want to go to Montana in a few weeks. Yeah. I don't have to fill out. I don't have to fill out a form. I don't have to talk to anybody. I'm just going to Montana. But then people are like, yeah, no, being a business owner, you have no one to answer to. It's like, the fuck I don't have anyone to answer to. Like, you know how many mouths I have to feed and the people depending on me? And I answer to all of those people. Yeah. <laughs> I answer to more people now than any, any ever before. Yeah. And I couldn't be happier about that, but. Like there's a sense of responsibility there that you just do not have as a dude working for a company. It's a lot simpler. Yeah, and um, a thing I dealt with is being in construction. I'm I'm a little different because I knew how the industry kind of worked, um, mm-hmm. but I'm I was naturally kind of business oriented. I actually don't really like running equipment, so yeah, it's hard for me to ask someone to be out there for 70 hours, 80 hours a week, you know, that's, that's worst case scenario. But it's always been hard for me to ask them to do something that I don't really like to do. The best companies I have seen are they have someone that's very good at the field and someone that understands how to operate a business. Mm-hmm. And very rarely are those both the same skill set. Like mm-hmm. both, very rarely does one person have both skill sets. I've mm-hmm. seen. Mm-hmm. And the most refined, successful construction companies are led by people that really understand how to operate a business. Mm-hmm. You can still make a ton of money mm-hmm. not really understanding how to operate a business because I've mm-hmm. seen it. Like mm-hmm. guys have made, I mean, hundreds of millions of dollars mm-hmm. without a real understanding of how to operate a company. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but those that understand how to operate a company, you can make a lot of money. A lot more money. Well, and um, I, but I've had cases, and I've known people as well that have. Um, we we just had a job recently that um, we didn't perform that well. We missed our production 
Um, and all I did was, so in our company, there's, we're small. We have um, seven people, including myself. And we're primarily a, a land clearing company and mo- uh, mobile grinding uh, service. Uh, we do a little bit of demolition depending on the project. Um, and we'll be kind of continuing to dive into that a little more over time. When did you, how long have you been going now? Uh, so I've been in business for um, five years. So you started 2016? 2016. I think you started 2017? 2018. 2018. Okay, gotcha. Beginning of the year. Gotcha. So I was going to college at the time. Wasn't really my thing. I um, grew up not really feeling very smart because I um, had dyslexia. So school Mm. was just naturally hard for me. Mm -hmm. So I'm in college, um, not really knowing what I'm going to do in life. I'm working for a farmer at, at the time. I grew up working in a tobacco patch so in western Kentucky. So um, that's what I, I was used to, hard work. So I feel like people, people don't understand tobacco is still very much a thing. Kind of. It's on its way out. It's on, well, it's on its way out, but, yeah, especially in the United States. Yeah. But it's still a thing in the South. Yeah. Like, you'll go buy tobacco fields. No one really knows that's that. Yeah, that's tobacco. You yeah. need to know what we were looking at. But so So I grew up working for a farmer and I worked for several different people and realized that, you know, I wanted to run a business. I did, you know, that was just my natural thing I wanted to do, but I didn't know what I was going to do. So I went to college um, and it, I was going to get an ag business degree, Yeah. Um, flunked out of accounting and a couple other classes. It happens. And then, um, I was like, I was scrolling through Instagram and like every college guy does. And I saw these skid steers with mulcher heads on them. Mm -hmm. And um, I was like, you know, that's pretty cool. And now it's a huge thing. Like everyone and their mother wants one. Yeah. But it was kind of in my area. I, I, Somehow it came across uh, my feed, and I saw it, and I was like, you know, I want to try that out. So my first year, I was a skid steer jockey, which isn't bad, but um, that's how I kind of got started. Um, and then my brain kind of start. I started to visualize where I wanted to be several years, started planning out, and it just snowballed from there. Did you just finance a skid steer? I actually rented everything. No kidding. There yep. you go. See, re- rental and Randy, speaking of Randy Blunt, we were just talking about him before this. We talked, we we did a course last week. We recorded it on whether it's best to rent or buy. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times it's way better economically to rent mm-hmm. than to buy. As long as you hit your schedule. Correct. Yeah, yeah. There, yeah, there's downsides to it, but like, uh, a lot of people own equipment in this industry that don't need to own it. Mm-hmm. It's more so just us, like for the sake of ego mm-hmm. to own everything. Mm-hmm. But rental is a pretty solid option at yeah. the end of the day. Well, so it allowed us to por- perform jobs that we couldn't otherwise. Um, well, because it's a ton of capital. 
yeah, you can't just pull it out of your butt, you no. know? Like, what's you a, just, like a skid steer with a mulching head? I mean, that's at least a hundred grand. Yeah. Right it, there. It's about a hundred. The one I had, it was worth a hundred and like 20, 130. Yeah. So, so as a kid, like writing a $120,000 check, not yeah. really an option. Yeah. And I had nothing really. Yeah. So I had a truck and that's about it. That's all you need though. But the cool thing about skid steers and the mulching heads the land management machines mm -hmm. is that's one of the few machines where you just buy that and you have a business. I mean, it's not as easy as that. Right. But you just need that one machine. Right. And you can do a lot with it. You can. And you, and you, um, yeah, you can do a lot with it. Uh, the problem is I found and a lot of people found they don't last that long no. in that application. Especially in Tennessee with all the rock. Yeah. And um, the, the, I mean, those machines, the skid steers just aren't purpose built for no. that application. So, no, they uh, notoriously catch on fire. In that yes, they burn, they burn down all the time. <laughs> yeah. They burn down all the time. So, so I, that, that's where I got started. But I knew there was other things. I knew I was going to be limited. Like, I only stayed in that sector for like a year. So I started taking on um, different um, excavation projects. Um, we did a little bit of dredging, you know, specialty things like that. Um, nothing huge, but we dredged out some coves on the Kentucky Lake. And, mm -hmm. uh, and then I realized that we had to find a niche because if you do a bunch of different things you're not really excellent at just one thing so um i took what i knew i was like okay so what can i what service can i offer that i can scale at a decent pace and not lose my butt over it so it's got to be something i know already and i was like probably the two easiest things in a construction project is the clearing. Mm -hmm. So I started figuring out how to get all these clearing projects um, across the Southeast, just kind of focused on that and kind of packaged the demo in with that on those developments or um, heavy civil projects. And that's what's allowed us to grow to where we are currently. Because with, with small-scale clearing, like, if you were able to get into it, anyone can kind of get into it. Exactly. So it's pretty damn competitive at the lower end. Yes. And you need to go past that. Yes. To make any kind of money. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, I just had, there's this little lot behind my house that was cleared mm -hmm. uh, about a month ago. And it's just like two dudes that rented two pieces of equipment. Mm -hmm. It was a little painful to watch. Mm -hmm. and by, by a little, I mean very painful to watch, but they just rented the equipment. They got mm. the job done in a week, maybe made a little bit of money, and then they go on to the next one. Those are the guys you're competing with. Right. And to get past that is difficult, but then you have less and less competition the bigger you become. Yes, but your margins get smaller, larger quantities. Correct. M margins get smaller, but you eliminate your competition. Like you said. And with scale, even with a lower margin, you're still making more money. It's a game. 
Sometimes. Sometimes you lose more. <laughs> Sometimes you lose a lot more. I feel like it's worth explaining land clearing mm-hmm. because out here, everybody knows what it is in this world. But I grew up in Arizona. Land clearing is not a thing in Arizona. Mm-hmm. If, you're, if you want to go build a subdivision, for example, mm-hmm. you set up sprinklers. And well, first you go wrangle the cactuses, cacti. So you go out there and you go grab all the cacti and go put it in a little cactus pen where it's like, so you'll have just hundreds of cactuses, cacti in a little like enclosure on the side of, uh, on the side of the job. So they're saving it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. For, okay. for later. And then you uh, set up sprinklers and let the sprinklers run for two, three, four weeks. Like, like aggregation or uh, agriculture irrigation sprinklers, industrial size. And then you just start hogging. That's wow. it. Or if there's some like fucking protected tortoise, you'll have to go out like the biologist what, at night with their flashlights and go relocate the special desert tortoise or whatever. Like, right. But there's no... like We got to watch out for salamanders around here. <laughs> salamanders. Every, every region has its own little like frog or tortoise or bird or... But out in the uh, primarily, especially like the Southeast, stuff just grows everywhere. Mm-hmm. So to develop anything, people think it's a bad thing, like whacking trees down. But it's like, well, to do anything out here, you need to do that because there's just so many damn trees. And if you leave it alone for five years, it's a yeah, forest again. I know. So yeah, yeah. yeah even even just like maintaining right away, yeah. like that's a huge project in itself because this stuff grows so fast. So there's so much vegetation that you need to get rid of. And that's the one of the first steps, if not the first step to any civil construction project, development project, commercial, residential, whatever it may be is, hey, we need a clean slate. And so that's what you guys do to explain what the hell land clearing is. Yeah, so, so typically the way it works on a, I'm just going to use our residential development, we'll come in, we will clear for the uh, first phase erosion control. So we'll come in, we'll cut all the lanes for all the tree protection, all the silt fence mm-hmm. for the ponds. Grading permit gets approved. Then we come in and we clear cut the whole thing. Um, most of the time, especially around here in Nashville, nine times out of 10, you can't get a burn permit. Mm-hmm. So everything has to be ground. So we have excavators um, take all the trees down. And most of the time we assess, we assess the timber um, on the property. But most of the time around in central Tennessee, it's junk. It's a bunch of bodoc trees. Yeah. Yeah. And cedar. So we'll just grind it all up. And we'll export it to a random site. What do people do with the chips? Lots of times they use the mulch for um, just decorative mulch. So you'll take it to a mulch yard or something. Mm-hmm. They'll dye it. Um, uh, chips are, t- uh, if you can find a source for chips, which most of the time we don't, we, we don't use chippers. We use grinders. A lot of people actually don't know there's a difference and a chipper, and a grinder. A grinder can take stumps. A chipper can only take whole trees. Mm-hmm. But on these land clearing projects, you still have to get rid of the stumps. And it's more so, so like, I guess the easiest way to determine the two is how it's being fed. 
Like if it's being fed in through the back, yep, kind of horizontally, you just feed the whole tree in there. You're chipping that. Whereas yes. you'll have like a tub grinder, which is like a big open so, top so, part. Yeah. So we actually use, we don't use tub grinders. We use whole tree grinders. So even better. So it works like a chipper, but it's a grinder. So you'll put the whole tree in sideways, oh, really? horizontally. Yeah. No kidding. Yeah. And it'll take the whole thing just like chipper, but it's got hammers on it. So is that piece of equipment, is that the most expensive machine you guys run? Yes. They're not cheap. By far. By far. Yeah. yeah. You'll get in one for between a million and 1.1 million. Yeah. yeah. And then <laughs> that's not new. That yeah. uh, that's not including all the maintenance you have to do with those. Oh man, it'll go through. It'll go through about a thousand dollars worth of fuel a day. Uh-huh. Um, oil changes and hydraulic fluid changes are astronomical. You'll have belts rip. Um, you'll have it vibrates so much. You'll have electrical issues. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's all s- sorts of things that can go on with that stuff. It's just. Yeah, it's just a really gnarly application. And and even your equipment, too. I mean, stuff when land clearing, it just gets torn up. It does. And you can't do anything about it. It does. I mean, you can. Like, I've seen nicer looking land clearing equipment, and then I've seen land clearing equipment that is just... Beat to heck. Destroyed. <laughs> <laughs> Not a single body panel on the damn thing still. Well, it, it, it takes a uh, special operator, and it takes, even if you have a really talented operator in that application, it just takes time to know what to look out for. Oh. And this is coming from, I haven't, I haven't ran, I, I was talking to my guys the other day, at, like, I'd tear up more stuff than they do. <laughs> like, I, um, th- this is, I'm, Speaking for them right now, uh, and what we've experienced recently, you can get have most talented operators and tear, you know, anything up. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, and and it's really dangerous if you don't know what you're doing, too. Yes, it is because trees are very heavy. They're very heavy, <laughs> and if you're pushing them the wrong way, it's like I feel like it's very easy to have a, a false sense of confidence mm-hmm. when you don't know what you're doing with land clearing because it's. Mm-hmm kind of fun and, mm-hmm. and satisfying pushing mm-hmm. a tree down with an excavator until you start to understand the actual danger involved in it. Yes. Yes. And especially the, the, I would say the most dangerous phase of the land clearing is when you're clearing the actual right of ways because mm. you only have a certain amount of room. And yeah. so you have to fall at a certain direction. Plus times there's houses or power lines yeah. around or something. And uh, you have to really look out for that. So it's a wacky world. I love watching it. Yeah. Well, it, it yeah, it's uh, it's fun. It's immediate results. That that's the mm-hmm. cool thing about it. It's one of the only things besides demolition where you just see automatically what you've done. It is satisfying. I've always had a fascination with it, and I noticed that. Um, there's a there's a lot of people doing it and there's a lot of talented people doing it, but I'm trying to I'm trying to kind of change the reputation that a lot of um, clearing companies have left. It's a very there's a lot of cowboys in the land clearing world and the demolition world. I mean, it is still 
like civil construction and that kind of thing, it's starting to become at, at especially at a bigger scale, a lot more refined. Mm-hmm. Like you can't you can't really win these jobs without having a certain level of sophistication now. Right. But like demolition bonds, lane clearing. For example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bonding. You have to have qualifications yep. and this and that. But like demolition is starting to move in that direction, still pretty far off. But land clearing, mm-hmm. it is a it is like the wild, wild west. Yes. Yeah. And and that's I'm trying to for us at least. And there's a lot of great companies out there. I'm not saying that Absolutely. everyone's like this, but well, it's 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 there's two ends of the spectrum. You have these massive companies that are very buttoned up, like a Phillips and Jordan. Mm-hmm. And we work at Phillips and Jordan mm-hmm. and are going out to see some of their projects soon. I'm very excited about that. They are dialed in. Yes. Dialed. And then there's nothing really in the middle. <laughs> and then you have all these small mm-hmm. contractors scattered throughout the South. And it is just like, you just, you just watch these guys. Like, I don't know how they make money. Yeah. But they do. There's been times when I've, it, it is very competitive. If you don't know what you're doing and you have a hundred acres to clear, you can go upside down pretty quick. Mm-hmm. We actually, believe it or not, we, we use a takeoff software. So, Will a and and here's the kind of the unique thing about us. We a lot of people, most people work directly with a GC. We work with most um, site work and heavy civil companies mm-hmm. um, directly as a sub. Yeah, because site work. I mean, clearing will be in their package. It's in their package, yeah. so the GC doesn't separate it out. Mm-hmm. So most of the time, we're working directly for them, but. Lots of times um, we'll get um, bid requests. We're just like a um, site work contractor. They'll get a hundred bins in a month and get maybe 10, 15% of it or whatever. Mm-hmm. But we, we do the same thing, um, but we perform our own takeoffs um, and double check the plans. A lot of guys just go off a number that they're given. Um, but we actually check our own work as well. So, because we want our clients to be confident in our numbers. Yeah. So. I did that for two years, mm-hmm. just takeoffs, double checking engineering numbers. Mm-hmm. I did not enjoy it, but mm-hmm. I understand the value of it because if your number's off. Yeah. But it's very simple with what we do. We just do a, uh, Google image overlay with the plans mm-hmm. and we can just see where growth is. And then if it's something extreme, like on a mountain or something, we'll walk it. And, but we can tell from the topo what, you know, how it's laid out. So, And why is it that most civil companies sub out the clearing? Is it liability? Um, one, I think from what I've heard, um, <laughs> I think it's um, the type of operator it takes. Mm-hmm. And then two, um, I think it comes down to the money. Um, I don't think they can afford that they're making enough margin off of what we're doing that they don't need to do it. Yeah, it makes sense. 
I think most most civil contractors are better off like that. Yeah. You have big civil contractors that just do everything because mm-hmm. they're enormous and they have that type of vertical integration. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of civil contractors, they they try to do everything, but they don't do everything all that well. Mm-hmm. It's like, hey guys, just stick to moving dirt. You're, you're really good at it. But some of the other stuff, like just stop doing it. You're not mm-hmm. making any money at it. You don't need to just do it to do it. Like, right. Go sub it out to somebody that does it and is a specialist at and it. And also, to, it's kind of like the 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 like the rental aspect. You, you always sometimes you have too much work, and you just don't have the manpower or equipment to get to it. Yeah, uh, that's another thing that I think is part of the reason why they use us a lot. It's a pretty slick little market. Yeah. I mean, not a little market. It's a big market. It, it it's a it's a big market, and we we cover a large uh, territory. So, um, I mean, we've been for most of this year. We've been in Atlanta. Um, we've been the past four months in Atlanta. We've been in Nashville on several projects. Nashville's where our roots roots are, um, but um, we do travel around to random projects. So, how do people find you? Uh, typically through, um, that there's been, there's been several recommendations from like GCs, um, actually, um, that we've had and LinkedIn's been huge. I've been, I've been telling people this for years. Everybody's sleeping on LinkedIn. I, most time from Instagram or Facebook, it's, um, a really good place to hire from. Um, LinkedIn, that's, that's where the business happens. I agree. Well, even, even, even hiring, but at the management level too. And yeah, Facebook, Instagram, great for craft field Mm -hmm. level and next generation, you know, attracting younger people, but Mm -hmm. LinkedIn, man. Oof. Yeah. You can do it right. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, but, but let us have LinkedIn. So anybody listening to this terrible idea. Don't do it. Really, really bad. Yeah, it's it's a bad idea. <laughs> don't don't do it. No, it's it's amazing though. I mean, just like to think how, like your business. At least I'm speaking for myself here. There's no way you probably would have been able to grow as quickly as you have without the internet. Right. Definitely. It's just amazing. I did do my fair share of knocking on doors. Oh, I. It, yeah. Yeah. But been there. But um there are several cases where I know we've had, you know, several hundred thousand dollar projects where I would have not gotten it if I if I wasn't connected to a certain person. Oh. Yeah, just um and it's not the end all be all. It just creates like opportunity that would have never been there otherwise. Mm-hmm. And I, every time it happens, I'm just sitting there scratching my head like, huh. Like even a guy the other day on LinkedIn, he sent me a DM. Just saw your, just saw one of your trucks driving down I-70. Mm-hmm. I'm like, huh, that's just funny. That's so funny. Like 2021, man, people can just see a truck driving down the road and then message me about it. How mm-hmm. funny is that? And it wasn't even me. It's mm-hmm. a child and angel. Um, what, when you say... Uh, there's opportunity in the land clearing space. Is it opportunity, a sense of like being more professional about it and a little bit more buttoned up and thoughtful? Um, I would say 
Um, but for some reason, I haven't seen just a ton of people um, take off and run with it. Um, there's a lot of smaller players. It's, there's a lot of smaller players, which, mm-hmm. like I said, that's fine. That's not a bad thing being small. Yeah. I just know to um, my vision has always been scaling to a certain extent. I, I have other things I want to do mm-hmm. later on. I'm a big picture person. Um, and and these aren't the only things we're going to do, but it's it's been a way to get us get us started. Um, now I, I honestly don't see us getting into the like when I say um, starting to do other things over time. I'm not saying um, like grading or utilities or anything like that. There's um, other industries that I really like. Mm-hmm. And demolitions always fascinated me. Yeah. Um, and that that's an avenue I could see us taking because a lot of people don't know this either. So our grinders, they um, are technically a recycler as well. So you can put pallets in them. You can put C&D in them. Mm-hmm. Can't put anything extreme in there. But like if you put pallets in there, it'll separate the wood out from the metal. Yeah. Have you seen, uh, have you seen Firma? From a demolition on the West Coast Bay Area. I believe so, yes. They have some massive machines that mm-hmm. do just that. So mm-hmm. they they just take a whole building, they feed the building into this thing, mm-hmm. and then it spits out the different materials, primarily separating the, the metal, the steel, that'll yep. all be recycled. And then it shreds everything into this like fluff that they actually sell to landfills mm-hmm. or for daily cover. Wow. Which is, in and out here, that's not that big of a deal because it's not all that expensive to throw stuff away out here. Mm-hmm. Landfill space, it's getting more expensive, but it's not the Bay Area. Mm-hmm. Like $100 a ton expensive. So, so instead of paying that ridiculous dump fee, they shred everything, sell it to the landfills, or, or I don't know if they sell it or they get just a ridiculous discount on it because the landfill is actually putting it to use. It's almost... Everything they take from buildings is recycled in one way or another. Crush the concrete, take all the other stuff, shred it, pull all the metal out. There you go. It's impressive. It's super cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, our machines won't do that. They're, they're, they're primarily built for um, wood, but that I have seen those. It's, it's, it, it's not a high speed machine. It kind of crushes stuff, doesn't it? Like yeah, you could put a, like, like a car frame in it or something. It just slowly. You can, I don't know. I don't know how theirs works, but they've, and they build all kinds of cra- crafty stuff, but it's like, like this house we're sitting in right now. Mm-hmm. There's nothing all that hard in this house. Gotcha. Like you could pretty easily yeah. feed a house through one yes. of these. Wow. You know, machines. And then you have the concrete foundation, but otherwise everything here is good to go right through it. Yep. That's pretty impressive. It's it's there, and there's a lot of parallels between land clearing and, and demolition. It doesn't seem like there are, but as far as the opportunity is concerned, you have monster players and then local guys. There's a lot of opportunity that that middle space. There's a lot of opportunity for companies that do it in a much more buttoned up manner, 
than mm-hmm. has traditionally been done. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of modified equipment. And demo guys love their modified equipment. Land clearing, you know, there's a lot of weird modified equipment in that world. So it's not identical, but... <sighs> it's close. It's close. Yeah. Um, and that and that's part of the reason why we're interested in demolition. So, uh, and it's also packaged in with lots of times it's it's packaged in our scope in a way. Mm-hmm. So that's the first thing we do: clear, then demo any structures that's on the project. So we yeah. wipe the slate clean, basically. Exactly. Yeah, the grading contractor they just want a clean slate. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty cool. And yeah. demolition, it's extremely cool. Yeah. It's really cool. <laughs> yeah. When uh, I look at pictures, when those guys are taking skyscrapers down or whatever, mm-hmm. like that, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, there's big time stuff. Like, um, Not anyone can just do that. I'm sure you've seen Brandenburg's been in town for a little bit now. Mm-hmm. Working by Top Golf there, just yeah. cr- crushing a ridiculous right across of from your office, I right, believe. Yeah. Right, it's just a stone's throw away. Um, but you don't see those boys working in town very much because they're busy dismantling nuclear facilities. Wow, and coal power plants and just the craziest stuff around that no one sees. Yeah, it's a wacky world. And uh, and as far as growing is concerned, you do have to be careful because you're working with some large grading contractors. So if you say, well, I'm also going to start doing grading. Yeah. <laughs> then they're going to be like, okay, then we're just not going to take numbers from you anymore. <laughs> so so that's part, that's honestly, um, now we never ran into that issue because we stopped doing that quick enough. Um, but I realized that that's what would happen. So yeah. when someone calls to request us to... Um, bid on something because we just tell them no. So we've we have really just narrowed it down to that. And, so and yeah, we're just running with it. I I think that's the perfect perfect play because yeah, if you start, I've seen some people they get a little too big for their britches. Yep, and they start doing a little bit more than they should, and these bigger companies will crush them very quickly, <laughs> and they forget they forget who's feeding them. Yep. And they just they, they just they just get shut out. And this is a small world. So you get shut out and you're shut out. You are. So it's a it's a dance. I mean it's it's possible. I've seen it done a bunch, but if you do it, it's like you're burning the boats, you're going in that direction, you better hope it works because if it doesn't, you're you're done. Right. But I see there like with all the travel, there's so much opportunity in becoming specialized and thoughtful about building things, moving dirt, laying pipe, land clearing. I think that's where most opportunity is. Definitely. With land clearing. So you push the tree over and then you have to dig the stump out. So typically what we do is we will, if there's good timber on the project. You'll get that first. Yes, we, but we will um, um, outsource a logger. Mm-hmm. They'll come in. They'll take all the timber out. Then we're left with the stumps, tops, and the junk trees. So we'll come in. We will rake the property. 
and then um, grind everything. Is that with dozers? Yeah, dozer, dozers. It depend in Nashville. You gotta use excavators most of the time. Yeah, because of all the rock. Because of all the rock. Yeah. Um, down in Georgia or Alabama, you'll rake most of it. Mm-hmm. Sometimes in Tennessee, you can rake. And that you say rake, it's it's a dozer, like a D six, D eight size machine. Typically, is what I've seen. With a rake on the front of it. With a rake on Not the front. Not a blade. Yeah. Just a massive industrial rake with yes. like, it's basically a bunch of ripper teeth. Yep. And then Phillips and Jordan, um, you are talking about them earlier. They'll use something called a KG blade. Which is super cool. Yeah. And it'll, it's got a, one huge spike on the left side of the machine and you'll just stick it into the below, just below the stump and it'll roll it off to yeah. the right, yeah. and it'll just windrow all your stumps for you. Yeah, But you do have to go back behind those and rake again. So, Because mm-hmm. it's only for stumps. But we stump most of the time with excavators. So you essentially have to rake the entire piece of property to make sure you're getting everything. Yes. We ran into some issues with that. <laughs> like what? Well, well, so we've... we've We've found um, in different parts of the country, they um, expect different methods. Mm. Um, and sometimes they want it sometimes they want it cleaner on certain projects, and some projects, um, they don't care. Mm-hmm. And you have to figure out what projects those are. Mm-hmm. It's not really region. Um, actually, it's just, well, it's the specific project. Yeah. So if they, um, it, it, it depends on what they're going to be doing with the soil there. So, so is it like, would residential be more picky? Um, cause they want the topsoil to be prettier or, well, you know, I've I've had both. I've, I had both actually. It depends on every site is different. Sometimes, sometimes we don't have to export grindings. Um, they'll pile mm. it up on site, or they'll use it for erosion control, or they'll mix it into the soil. Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes you don't have enough room to do that, so, or they don't have enough soil on site to do that, or something. And you have to plan out before that project starts. You have to, you have to know to ask those questions. Hmm. Is it all hard bid? So if you get things wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Especially, yeah. If you get things wrong, you can really screw things up pretty quick. You might be hurting a little bit. Yeah. Do the excavators, when you're tearing out stumps, do you just have a bucket and thumb on it? Or do you have a little ripper? So. um, I've seen it done both ways. Yeah. So um, it's best to have a, like a shank or a. Um, stump splitter. Yeah. Um, which is also a shank in a way. It'll pop the stumps up out of the ground. You can um, shear the stump in half, and then it's easier to feed into your grinder. Um, but you can stump with that, or you can stump with a bucket. It's typically easier to stump with a shear. But yeah, a shear. Yeah, I've seen it done both ways, but the the shear looks a lot cooler. Yeah, and it's a lot easier on the machine too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you can you can just get it right in there and just pop the damn thing. 
Yep, and leaves some more dirt out. You want to, you don't want to run dirt through your grinder very often. That's how you wear it out, huh? Yeah, and then also the places where you're taking your grindings to, they don't. Want uh, they want it clean. So I've, well, I've seen a. They pop the stump out, and I've seen them give it a little shake mm-hmm. to get all the shit off of it, and then they feed it through too. Yeah. So lots of times we'll before we feed it in, if we're having to stump with a typical excavator, we will um, just drop the stumps before we feed them in and yeah. shake some of the dirt off. It's such a wacky world. <laughs> it's pretty straightforward. It is not, aside from the uh, bidding end of things, um, as long as you know how to take a tree down safely, it's, you know, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of hard work. Um, but it, it's it's pretty it's pretty straightforward. We were out on a job a week or two ago in Mississippi, Mississippi. And it was a mitigation project. So they were clearing it for the sake of mitigation banking. And they were clearing out all the non-native pine and that kind of stuff. And they had a D6 clearing contractor, had a D6 with, it was like a V blade on it. V blade. With a point on the front of the blade. And then the edges were serrated. So it's cutting the trees? Uh, uh, Yeah. I I mean, it was like sharp serrated, Mm. like a knife. Mm. Both the edges of the blade were serrated. Mm. We've never used one of those before. I have no idea how effective it is, but it looks really cool. Mm. So for style points? Yeah. Looks sick. We we might look into that. First time I'd ever seen it. I've seen a lot of the KG blades, though. There was Mm -hmm. a... Went to a job in Virginia... And it was like a five or 6,000 acre solar farm. And I just, I love the irony of having to clear five or 6,000 acres to put in a solar farm. I just, I love it. But um, they probably had 20 or 30 D8s out there with KG blades and rakes on them Mm -hmm. just going to town. And they were all armored up. You know, they had the brush guards and the, the, armored windows and they were just mean looking and they were all, I mean, they're probably like 30 of them out there just going wow. to town. Wow. Clearing yeah. Well, you'd acres. have to for about five, 6,000 acres. Yeah. That's it, impressive. It, it was pretty cool. It was the first time I'd ever seen like a large scale clearing before. Yeah. But I'm really excited to go see Phillips and Jordan and what they do because yeah. they do like the right away stuff. Yeah. Like, Hey, we're going to go put a new power line in through these mountains. Yep. Can you help us out with that? Yeah, sure. No problem. And they just go in the mountains and start clearing. Wow. What's that other? There's another contractor. Is it like Blue Rock or something like that? Blue. Yeah. Blue Ridge. Or, Blue Ridge. Or, or something like that. That's like a little mountain any, goat. They're up north somewhere. I don't know. It's like a little mountain goat logo. Hmm. I know what you're talking about. Something rock. They do a lot of pipeline the, clearing the, work. Um, Oh, what's the mat company? That uh, Yak Mat or I don't know. This is a world I'm not very familiar in. Yeah, um, we we don't work in the pipeline industry very much. Um, yeah, or we, we, we haven't. No, in the jobs in the pipeline world are huge. Yes, they are huge, huge. Uh, and it's these these massive contractors, and they go out and they buy these whole spreads of equipment. Like there was this one yard 
that I went to in North Carolina, I think it was. They were clearing for a pipeline and it had the craziest shit. I mean, they had all sorts of feller bunchers and skidders and massive grinders and like every bell and whistle on these machines. And they were all brand new. So they just buy all this equipment <laughs> for these one job, like this yep. one pipeline job, just roll through and then, okay, you can have it all back. And that's that. Wow. Yeah. And you're making money at it, you know? It might, it might have been the smart thing to do. That's what it all comes down to is if you're making money, it doesn't matter how you do it. <laughs> uh, going back to college, yeah. what, what is dyslexia? I know what it is, but explain it. So that is a good question. What is dyslexia? Because that's it's a term thrown around a lot, yeah. but then people don't explain it. The the way okay, so there's different types of dyslexia. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, um, I would say where it affected me the most is just the speed at which I could learn something. Like, I did not uh, pick up reading very quickly as a kid. Um, I really couldn't read fluently till I was 12. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it took me a bit to get there. It kind of just slows you down. Yeah. When you're younger. Yeah. It, it puts you behind, like, keeping up with everyone else in school, pretty yeah. much. But then the the irony is, and maybe correct me if I'm wrong, but it kind of better positions you as a business owner mm-hmm. down the road. Well, it, it 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 teaches you how to deal with tough stuff. Um, yeah. Um. And and lots of times, um, the most motivated people have been through tough things. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of. There's been other things, but. That's one of the things I've been through that um, got me to where I am now. So yeah, because you've—I mean—you've lived your entire life something that's very easy for everybody else, struggling. But then you keep doing it. You keep doing it. You keep doing it. You keep doing it. Mm-hmm. And it's just instilled that sense of oh, I'm just gonna keep pushing. Yep, gotta keep doing it. Yeah. And if everything's like you know, it's it's funny through school, you have all these smart kids and you look at them, you're like, God, I wish I was that smart. But then you get into adult life and you kind of run the analysis, like where'd those kids end up? Mm-hmm. A lot of them didn't go whole, very far because mm-hmm. everything was easy for them and they've never struggled. Mm-hmm. And you, and their parents have removed all the sense of struggle from their lives. And then they get into the real world and the real world just beats them down and they don't know how to get back up because mm-hmm. they've never had to before. Mm-hmm. Well, you're eventually, anyone is going to face adversity um, and it's how you face it. I, I, I guess I'm thankful that I went through it early, you know. So, um, I, I got a motto, um, I'm sure I, a lot of people say it, but um, regarding to to business, I, I tried to fail fast. Mm-hmm. Now, take that with a grain of salt. You know, I'm not, I'm not saying just go out and do whatever. Um, think, 
take some educated guesses. But um, going back to having this, the dyslexia, and I'm glad it happened when I was younger. So it just taught me some things yeah. um, to get through life. So the concept of failing quick is interesting. I feel like it, it has been taken out of context quite a bit because it's like, at least in like Silicon Valley, for example, like, yeah, let's try to fail. It's like, no, 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 no. We're still not, still not trying to fail here. Right. Like we're still, we're not. trying to figure out what doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. We're, we're trying to give it our all and all right, that didn't and if work. If you and, can figure out, if you can figure out what doesn't work from other people, you're ahead. Exactly. You yeah. don't have to learn every lesson on your own, but then also there is value in putting your hand on the stove and recognizing that, yeah, that's, that's hot. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know everybody told me it was hot, but I needed to put my hand there to really <laughs> drive it home. Yep. Yeah, it's it's a balance of the two. And and it, yeah, there is value in learning from others and there also is value in screwing up on your own. And if you're not making serious mistakes, I don't know if you're doing it right. Mm-hmm. And this is not even a business ownership thing, just life in general. Like if you're not really a little uncomfortable and a little afraid He'll do something that the, rattles you a little bit. There's something to cornering yourself. Yeah. No, yeah. It, there's a lot to it. Mm-hmm. A lot to it. Because if you if you feel comfortable all the time, you're not going to get just a whole lot done. No. At least that's the way it is with me. No. When I'm, I get uncomfortable when I'm too comfortable. Yeah. Now, because I've trained myself to just like, oh, yeah. Okay, so this whole thing went terribly wrong. Good. Like, all right. Like, we are in it now. Mm-hmm. We're going to have to fight our way out. Like, I love this because <laughs> this is when other people might quit or this means we're learning a big mistake or, or a big lesson, whatever it is. And I've trained myself to almost enjoy it. Mm-hmm. And even yesterday, like I was doing a workout that just was miserable. And I just I just wanted to stop. Like, I just had like to just, just give yourself a breather. But then by the back of my head, it's like, no, this is good. Like, just just love it. Like, just love how miserable you are right now. <laughs> I'm just trying to rewire my brain to love it because comfort, at least where we're at, is the enemy. Like, mm-hmm. we're kids. How mm-hmm. old are you? 25. You're 25. Yeah, I'm 26. So we're not supposed to be comfortable right now. No, we're not. And, and um you know, like I said, part part of the reason why I I wanted to start this is because I wanted to be able to control my world. But I I've I've found I have found that so so all right, I'm trying to I'm loosening up a little bit here. Good. I'm I'm trying to get in the good. All right, then that that means we can it, start the podcast actually, now. It, well, what I was going to say is it actually threw me off talking about what I did before I had to, I had the idea I was going to start with how I got started a little bit and cuz I know this kind of sounds strange I, I don't really I, tr- I try not to put my identity in what I do I really like I really oh, like yeah. land clearing yeah and I really like the construction realm but it's it's a um it's just not you as an individual. Like yeah. I, I, that's one of my my fears. Is like somebody will ask me how things are. I'll immediately start talking about the company. 
public, man, everything's just good. Like we're just having a hell of a time right now with the company and this and this and that. And then I sit there and realize like, fuck, like, am I getting too wrapped up in this? Like, mm-hmm. am I combining the two here? So and forgetting about who I am as an individual. Yep. Yep. So recently I had a few tough scenarios I was going through and I, I kind of left out. I, I need to, there's actually more to my story on how I kind of got started into this. So I, I grew up in a small town in Western Kentucky. Just, I don't know if we, you know where Murray is, but I was no like idea. 10 miles from Murray. So I grew up there. My dad had a um, Christian ministry and I kind of grew up there and working on our, um, some of our family friends farms. That's the tobacco mm-hmm. farm I was talking about earlier. Yeah. And I grew up and he, he was a very influential person. Um, I grew up watching him and left a huge impact on my life and a lot of other people's lives. And while I was in college, part of the reason why the, the, uh, the second hard thing I went through in life is he passed away when I was um, 18. So going through the learning disability um, and then him passing away, I realized that's where the rubber is going to meet the road. Mm-hmm. So it really... It really pushed me to um, figure out what I wanted to do, and I just took some chances and figured out what I wanted to do as a career. Did you finish college? No, I didn't. I was in for three years, um, and then I dropped out. And the business just started. It got, just got to a point. Well, like, so oh. so I was actually running the business on the weekends. When I first started, um, I was taking classes and then I was bidding work at night. Nice. And then I was like, this is too much. This thing's taken off. So I dropped out. And, and yeah, college doesn't exactly serve as uh, much of a purpose when you're already kind of in a career mm-hmm. <laughs> that doesn't really recognize college education, especially mm-hmm. in this world. Like no one cares if you're college educated or not. Mm-hmm. Um, so that makes sense. I wouldn't have finished if I were you. I'm glad. That's why I'm glad I started this after college. Cause if yeah. I would have started in college game over. Yeah. Game over. No way. No way would I finished. Well, it didn't, it didn't really make sense to me. I was sitting in class and I didn't know like, why am I now? I, I am glad. I am glad that I went for a bit. I, I honestly am. Yeah. Um, I, I learned a different set of skills, like how to learn. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's that's honestly that's that's the most I got out of it. I would say, and I gained some good friends. Yeah i I recommend college to anybody because it's a ton of fun, a time without much risk to just learn who you are, what you want to do, but there's a right or wrong way to do it. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people are doing it the wrong way, mm-hmm. but I'm all for it. Mm-hmm. The, like the, the concept of it, big fan of. 
if you frame it in the right way. Mm-hmm. It's amazing too, like you, you kind of found what you wanted to do early on. It's amazing, like when younger people reach out and they kind of ask, like, how do you find out what you want to do? And I just, my best response is just go work. Like, just go do, like, go somewhere. Work or try something. Where you just got to work. Like, yeah. like on a farm. Or I was yeah. up in Montana getting the shit kicked out of me in the summers. And then I went to work in construction. Like, just go do something. Like, not not in a restaurant. or any, And maybe there's jobs in a restaurant that are hard. I, I don't want dis- to discredit it. But at least in this world, like, go get your ass beat. Because it'll make you think a lot clearer and a I lot faster. I don't want to do this my whole life. Yeah. Yeah. And and you really like, that's why I evaluated my life is because I got my ass handed to me for two summers in Montana. And I just sat there like, whoa, I better figure this out. <laughs> and, and without that, there would have been no, there's no chance. I, I mean, I might not have even fallen into construction as quickly as I did if I hadn't had that opportunity to just get ground into dust mm-hmm. for a few years. Yeah. It's a good place to start. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Now, is it, do you ever have any issues with your age combined with not really knowing how to run equipment, not being the best at what you guys do, managing other people running company? Or is it not, not just a non-issue? So we have um, really all ages working for us. Yeah. I think, thankfully, I've been able to kind of paint the picture of what I'm wanting to do and where I'm wanting to go. At at first, it was hard getting started, especially in the larger scale stuff, mm-hmm. um, because we had no reputation yet. Thankfully, I had a few people that gave me a shot. And it just snowballed from there, and we were able to build a reputation. Now we have we've performed a ton of projects, you know, and uh, and they're able to look at that, and you know, we're people. I guess know about us now, so I I guess the age doesn't matter as much now because we've it's almost like we've gotten past that. Yeah, if that makes sense. Yeah, if you. I feel like too, it's like if you make it matter, it's gonna matter. Yeah. But if you just ignore it, it doesn't yeah. really matter. Yeah. Well, and then I mean, if you're able to provide a bid bond and they look at your proposal and it's dead on, mm-hmm. then that should speak for itself too. Yeah. That's and that's it. It's just results. It's like if I can give you the results, it doesn't matter who we are or what I know. Right. Right. If I can deliver, deliver what you want, we're good to go here. There's no discussion. Yeah. That's interesting. And it, it is interesting too. It's like a lot of businesses at your size, you should typically be the best one at what you guys do. I'm not. And I think that's a really good thing because it allows you to get out of the way of the others who are experts at their craft. And like I feel like business owners in this world, they they can they get so caught up in actually doing the work, they forget about actually operating the business. Yeah, and then they can they can never really truly separate the two. But if you're not the best one at the work, you can allow the people to do the work, 
And then yes. you have that little bit of separation where you can really focus on the business, operating yes. the business. I, the I mean, I wouldn't be able to sleep at night if I couldn't focus on the business. No. I mean, that that's just, that's how I'm oriented. You know, that's, um, I mean, and when when you when you start scaling you have to have that you can't you can't be in a machine yeah but and, i i see people do it all the time yeah uh, or let's just say i couldn't yeah i couldn't i i wouldn't have a peace of mind you know and uh, again i see that all the time <laughs> a lot of these people are just stressed out of their minds mm-hmm. and uh and and you see it and you just it's like I'm I'm always a little on edge, but also I trust the people that work with us and I don't need to be involved in everything. And it brings me a lot of peace and allows me to do what I do best. And that's look at the big picture, create the vision, mm-hmm. sell people, build the culture. You know, I, I don't need to be in the weeds all the time. Right. But you see these people and they're just so wound up all the time and you can't get a hold of them. Like mm-hmm. try calling them. Good luck getting a hold of these people because they're just putting out fires left and right. That's all they do is just nonstop firefighting. Now sometimes stuff, the crap hits the fan. I get and, that, and you have to get in there. But but if that's fifty two weeks of the year, exactly, that's a problem. Exactly, in my opinion, yeah. You can run a business for forty years doing it. I don't want to do that. That's not fun. Yeah. It, yeah, I, I don't count that as fun either. No. And maybe maybe that's their version of fun, but I just, yeah. If you can, you can back off a little bit and let other people do it. And it's like, hey, if you love running equipment, and that's what you want to do, nothing wrong with that. But you better find someone that can step in mm-hmm. on the business side of things. And I've seen that too. But I know plenty of people who have been a one or two man operation, and they love what they do. They're make, happy as can be. Make a killing. Make a killing? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's fine. It's just that wasn't cut out for me. I wanted to no. do something a little I'm in the same boat. More. Yeah. But a lot of people aren't honest themselves. They, they're like, yeah, no, I want to go scale. I want to go create a big business. It's like, do you? Like, Well, you're, so your, your problems are going to get bigger with it. Your, the headaches are going to get bigger. I mean, the the... Jobs you bomb are going to eat your reserves up. Yeah, you. I mean, it. Yeah, like the money you lose these days, I'm sure would have rendered you unconscious a few years ago. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I've yeah, I, I had a job recently where I had. And, and there's several reasons why it, it went wrong. Um, and, and it just happens every once in a while. But we went way over on our um, export. Mm. And... Um, like you didn't put enough in there on the bid. Pretty like much. you had to export a lot pretty more much, than you yeah. thought. Yeah. And we had to, because of that, we had to pay out half or more... Or three three quarters of my entire first year of business. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know mm-hmm. you'll you'll run into that every once in a while. Um, and but 
it's one of those things where um, I'm all right. I realized that was something on me that I did. Um, but um, I'm not one to repeat. I take notes mm-hmm. and I move on. Yep. I don't let it bother me really. In the moment, it bothered me. But, you know, we, I knew we'd get through it. It's just another thing. Um, and you're just going to run into that, especially the bigger you get, the mistakes, the mistakes snowball. Yeah. So, and you can either, you can take them in a positive way or a negative way. And then it's, 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 you can't a lot of times control the mistake, but you can control how much you dedicate to that mistake mentally. Yep. Yep. And sometimes it's just like, okay, this was a good lesson, learn my lesson. And then it's so much better to just move on. Yeah. Than to continue to think about it and worry about it and stress about it. And exactly. No thanks. Yeah. Pe- people won't remember it one day. No. They'll forget about it. No, but I, I mean, I do have like a little, uh, I, I do use it as a little bit of motivation if someone, I call it betting against me. Like if they place a bet against me, I'm like, mm-hmm. I will, I will, like, I will never wish ill on anybody. That's a bad road You're to competitive. go down. competitive. Yeah, but I'm like, I'm going to make sure that you just made the wrong bet. Like, yeah. I'm going to make sure that you lose that hand. Like, I, I I will do everything I can to make sure you lose that hand. And not saying, I'm going to go, like, direct anything to them or go sabotage or yeah. whatever. Like You're not I'm just, targeting. You're just no, saying. I'm just going to move so much. I'm just going to use that to move so much more aggressively and to make this thing so much bigger than you thought was possible. And then mm-hmm. you look back and like, damn it. All right. Mm-hmm. He actually did it. And I wish I would have supported that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe um, that's shallow, but no, it's uh, helpful motivation for me. Yeah, yeah. No, that, that can be motivation for you. Um, it, it's more, I think for me, it's just more um, for myself. And I just like enjoy it. Yeah. Like I'm, my hobby is honestly learning, I would say. Um, and and I, I just... It's not a cool kid thing to say. Yeah, I, I, I love learning new things. Um, and, I, you know, people ask me what I do in my spare time. I'm honestly either reading something or I am running, exercising, or and I'm I'm a people person too, so I like hanging out with people. Yeah. Um, or listening to their their talk podcast. Or yeah, listening to their podcast. Yeah, which you know I, I was telling you the other the other day I was listening to it and um, awesome episode. And then I woke up the next morning and saw your text and pretty cool to be sitting in the seat here. Here we are. Yeah, here we are. Well, I know. Uh, you and especially your wife was gracious enough to give us some of your time today. On a oh Sunday. yeah, well she she's pretty easy to get along with. All right, I'll come up there one of these days. Yeah, see you guys. Yeah, that work. Um, I don't want to take too much more of your Sunday. No, I appreciate the time and uh, enjoyed it. Hope hope there's something here that someone can. Oh yeah, take something from. Yeah, and if people want to find you, it's where do they find you? LinkedIn. Like just Warren Land Solutions, is it? Uh, Warren Land Solutions. Yep. You can find it on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook. Cool. Yeah. 
All right. Well, thanks for stopping by. All right. Thank you, man. Dirt Talk is hosted by Aaron Witt, produced by me, Alex Horton. If you have questions, comments, concerns, email us at dirttalk at buildwit.com. And as always, stay dirty. <laughs>